When you were a kid, did you want to be an astronaut? A crossing guard? Sometimes our dreams feel a little all over the place, but we're not alone. In fact, McDonald's created an education platform, APA Next, with all the resources Asian Pacific American students like us need to navigate the next steps, or even figure out what they are. With streaming workshops on college admissions and more, a lot of the work is done for us. Come take a look at apanext.com and decide what's next for you. That way we could get Bill WD-40 into, into the Spreaker chat so he could lube us up for tonight's show. Jeff Swenson, thank you for joining us. Hi, Kathy Evans and Lily Pond and Social Dig. How you doing? I heard you got a good show going on over there, Social Dig. That's awesome. Congratulations. And uh, let's see, Invisible Tracker. Body Tech, good morning to you. 405er, how you doing, buddy? Chris... Teen, nice to have you here. All right. <laughs> We're caught up on people. 20 seconds away. Super Chat is open. Remember, it's a good way to support what we do on this show. And, of course, do a little shopping at spacedoutradio.com. It's a great place to get some swag, especially that woo kind of swag. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Hey, do me a favor, everyone. It's that time. Let's get our horns up. Let's start this thing. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do Old Navy the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, and check out our swag as well. Tonight's show brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting chive charities today you can find them on our website we got a great show for you tonight it's all about the experience colin Extrand is here we're going to talk about his lifelong experiences with his brand new book my magical experiences as a small town boy good bc kid we're going to like him tonight definitely then in hour number three we're going to head to the swamp where Swamp Dweller has a spooky story for us. Then Terry Hall will uh, fill in for Tim Senor, who's vacationing in Washington State this weekend. And uh, we'll have the UFO report for you like we normally do. All right, let's kick things off, shall we? Colin Ekstrand shares his magical experiences with us tonight. He's a small-town boy growing up on the island of Vancouver, 
Vancouver Island here in British Columbia. And these incredible events began when he was a young kid. Now, he did everything that other kids should do, playing sports like hockey, baseball, softball, volleyball. He was very successful at check and fielded football in the small town, a working town called Powell River. But over the years, some fantastic situations started happening. And they became more frequent. Now, you can find his book by going on Amazon.com and typing in My Magical Experiences as a Small Town Boy. So we're going to learn all about it tonight as uh, we bring in Colin right now. Colin Xran, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Uh, it's splendiferous to be here, Dave. Uh, it's a word I used in my book, and it is a real word. And... Uh, it's a real positive word, and again, it's a real honor to be here. Thank you. Excellent. We're glad to have you here. And a fellow BC guy like myself, you know, it's uh, it's always good. I started my radio career on Vancouver Island in Parksville and then over to Nanaimo, then back to Parksville. Same owners. They just pushed me up the highway and down the highway before uh, smartening up and uh, heading back to the mainland where the sharks couldn't get me, you know. So, I mean, it's a beautiful area where you live. And the one thing about Vancouver Island that a lot of people don't know is that there are a lot of weird and strange things that happen there. It's very haunted. There's sea monsters uh, all around and inland on the island that have been reported. There's mermaids that have been reported, Sasquatch that's been reported, and, of course, UFOs and aliens. I mean, you got the real gamut there. Well, I wish I would have seen a few more. Well, that's that's just the way it is, man. That's just the way it is. But, I mean, ex- explain to people for, because we have listeners literally all around the world. You know, Vancouver Island is on the west coast of British Columbia, Canada, and it is literally the next stop is Japan. And so, yeah. and it was one of the uh, areas that was, you know, one of the final areas of, of the west coast passage that was actually found by explorers here, Captain jo- George Vancouver is the one who found it. So for you living in that little piece of paradise there, I mean, what was it like growing up in that area? Well, Pearl River actually is not part of Vancouver Island, yet it takes ferries to get to it, whether you're traveling from Vancouver on the mainland to Pearl River or on Vancouver Island from Courtney Comox over to Pearl River due to the very two large very large wide inlets uh, on the mainland and uh, it's more cost of effective right now to have ferries running the show there than building roads. But you asked me what it was like growing up in Powell River. So I explained it's sort of isolated. So number one, you're always taking ferries to go play sports against other teams. Um, so that's a common denominator amongst everybody in Powell River is fairies. <laughs> so now beyond that, uh, very close-knit community. If you didn't know the person by name, you certainly recognized them because you would see them fairly frequently. Now, as it turns out, Powell River has actually become a city since then, but it's sort of like a small town. We'll call it a small town, and it's good for the title. But so... It's very more intimate, um, close-knit community due to the isolation. Um, 
very friendly, hardworking. Um, there's a lot of outdoor activities, a lot of camping, a lot of hiking, a lot of fishing, a lot of outdoor activities. For sure. Now, growing up in an area like that where Powell River, you know, back in the day before, you know, the Vancouverites all decided to start exploring the provinces when real estate shot up right yeah. across. I mean, what was it like growing up there where you knew everybody? everybody I mean, you were isolated. It's an isolated town, you know, right on the coastline. It's known for its fishing. It's known for its logging. And if you weren't involved in one or the other, you, you had family who were. And like you said, everybody kind of knew who everybody was. So when strange things started happening to you, and we'll get into what happened here in a little bit, you know, were other people involved in what was happening? Not necessarily, no. It was more or less, I think, of a individual personal thing than it was collective. But I'll say this, uh, you know, I believe the things that I did, anybody can do. Uh, and therefore, you know, striving for goals, whether they be athletic or career goals, you'd be surprised how much in common they have the tools to strive to achieve the goal in mind. So again, your question, were there other people involved um, other than teammates? But in regards to my own personal experiences, it was sort of a individual thing. All right. Well, let's take the time here to learn about your magical experiences. You know, when did these start for you? Well, five uh, five years old. Um, when I first, now remember, between the ages of five and 20, a lot of my uh, magical experiences were connected to my athletics. But I was always a very reflective, uh, introverted person who uh, reflect, so sorry, uh, just ask me that again. Well, so just, just in regards to when when things started happening to, for you. Yeah, I was five. And, okay, so, again, I was mentioning most of them when I was younger were athletic. So, again, when I was five, I put six, six, I hardly ever held a hockey stick in my hand, and I put six pucks in a row in the center slot at uh, at uh, an elementary school's festival where there was arts and crafts and games and that was the first stirrings of something extraordinary now i didn't think too much of it then but as things uh materialized later in life i look back and say oh yeah that's probably where it started Okay, so you had the gift of the hockey stick, which is something that is very Canadian, very yeah. Canadian, by the way. And, and you know, as going forward... 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Or did did this all revolve around sports? Did it revolve around your own personal abilities? Well, in the beginning, it was sports. But as I refer to my reflective uh, nature, that uh, in the beginning it was sports, but there was always inspiration and grace there right from the beginning and right to the present. So even though it was sports, um, I make that connection because as I got older and grew up, uh, it became more evident in my life. My own personal philosophy would be used more than just in sports when I was young. It would, it would transfer over to one's career, one's family, adult life but as a young person uh, mainly they were athletic achievements but reflecting back upon them I sort of see the kind of tools that I used mental tools uh, of uh, goal setting and focus and concentration and planning so yes in the beginning mainly they were athletic that's really interesting very interesting. And did, did you ever think that they were some sort of paranormal experience or just supernatural type experiences? When did you start thinking that it was something a little bit different? Well, I knew by the time I was 20, I already had at least two dozen peak athletic experiences. And to my recollection and observation, that's fairly unusual. Uh, I think most people might have two, three, four, or five by that stage in their life. But I had more than that. And it kept on going even after my youth, into my adulthood, and my family life. The uh, grace uh, and benefits that I utilized toward my athletics uh i used in adulthood and wound up benefiting my family members i believe it rubbed off on them and i see them succeeding and i hope i'm a little part of that as well okay so you had an athletic gift regarding uh, sports coming across very easily and me being a former sports guy I, I'm very, very intrigued by this because dealing with professional athletes the way I did, it was uh, it was very much uh, 
you know, watching people be able to do things that I know I struggled with on the ice or on the ball field or whatever, you know, to some people, it just came like a, like a supernatural sixth sense. Yes. Well, that certainly was a gift I had, but I think you will know that even a gifted athlete who does not, uh, strive to improve themselves will soon be surpassed by those that are striving to improve themselves. So even if one is given a certain amount of ability, if one does not exercise it and improve upon it, you will be passed by, by others that are continuing to work at their craft, whether it be athletics or otherwise. Okay, so what did you excel in? Okay, well, uh, I uh, have stories in there about hockey, baseball, softball, track and field, volleyball, and Canadian football. Six uh, story, uh, six sports with stories in the book uh, from athletics. Okay, so let's go to the hockey rink because our American listeners would uh, like to see there. I mean, how long did you play hockey for? Did you did you ever get offered any scholarships in regards to any of this? No scholarships, but it was certainly something I was aiming for in junior hockey. But as you'll read in my book, the junior coach had it out for me, Dave, from the first meeting I had in the office with him and the scouts and the New Westminster Brew and Ernie, Ernie Punch McLean was in the office. He, they're, the, well. they're the team that uh, drafted me and signed me to their protected list when they were winning Memorial Cups. So I was 15 at the time when they signed me. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's in the book, and that's a big thrill. And there's some stories there uh, in the book around that as well. But regarding my junior career, uh yeah, I mentioned that, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was the coach's whipping boy, and I, I didn't stand a chance to get a scholarship once I got there because of the playing time he gave me. Um, but it was certainly something I had in mind, but it didn't work out. So for you, being very uh, promising in the athletic form, I mean, w- what made it easy for you? Were you just a naturally gifted athlete? Yes, I was, but as I mentioned before, unless I strove to improve myself, I would be surpassed. Now, I always like to set goals and achieve, you know, set them higher than where I'm at to make life interesting and see what I can accomplish. And so I I would find that I I would need to work at the craft to improve upon it. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't just improve by itself. Okay. So uh, fill me in here. I mean, how many different sports were you playing competitively at that time? Well, uh, as I mentioned, there were the six. So I was a very busy young man. And uh, <laughs> my my uh, my schooling suffered for it at the time. But uh, by, by grade nine, I... Uh, started to study more and I picked that up uh, where 
you know, it was a very respectable grades for entry, entering university if necessary. But, you know, again, like there were the six sports and uh, the Canadian football was a one-time uh, event when I was 11. It was a pass, punt, and kick contest that the PE teacher, physical education teacher, asked us to all the jocks who athletes who wanted to participate. Never, I had never played football. And uh, as it turns out, uh, when the Powell River boys were competing, I actually finished second. But a minute later, the officials recognized that the person who won that event uh, was too old for that age category. And they came back to explain to all the athletes of this error and that I had actually therefore finished first. Then I uh, got to go to Nanaimo for the Vancouver Island Championship and uh, beat the boys from Nanaimo in Victoria. And they played football. And I'd never played football. So that was quite a story. And then I got to go to the BC Lion uh, Edmonton Eskimo or Elks game at the, they're the Elks now, they changed their name. And uh, yeah, I got to go and compete uh, amongst uh, 28,000 fans. Uh, the BC Lions and Edmonton were fighting for first place uh, and, uh, and uh, top spot for the home field advantage for the playoffs and the stands were full. And uh, it was uh, my throwing arm. I couldn't kick and punt the, very well. The soccer players did better. But my throwing arm is something I did inherit from my dad, and he was quite a good athlete. And my throwing arm, in the very end, had me finish third and with the furthest throw. And I got a, a ovation from all the fans uh, in the stands because it was that impressive. I'll never forget it, and it's in the book. All right. Now, what do you do to to spend your time today? Like, what do you do today? Are you a motivational speaker? Or is the book about trying to help people find their own path? Yes, it's about people trying to help them find their own path uh, to, to inspire them. The book is filled with grace and inspiration. Um, I think the world could use a lot more inspiration uh so nowadays i am not done so much in, uh speaking public speaking but uh i tend to spend a lot of time learning now uh in my adult life like i'm a home share provider i'm at home more often than most people so i can find three or four hours a day to learn. And often it's on YouTube and in the internet. And I find what I can learn on the internet usually far more interesting and educational than what's on TV. So I'm a learner. I love to learn. Well, yeah, I think all of us uh, love to have that habit of, of learning something new. I mean, the idea that you have have kind of pushed yourself to try and and uh, better 
who you are, what Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com today. You're all about, you know, I mean, how is that rubbed off on people? Well, I'm sort of subtle. I'm not in anybody's face. I'm not a disciplinarian. My method would be lead by example and hope it rubs off and hope that those that I care about the most, even my friends, uh, succeed in life and are happy and uh it's not easy to succeed in life or be necessarily content or happy so those are wonderful things to strive for and those are meaningful to me and i would hope they're meaningful to others as well now you uh have an invention that uh, you kind of created here and we're going to get into that more in the second uh in the second half hour of the show here. Uh, so, you know, what made you start to, to inquire within yourself about what this was all about? Well, that's a good question, but I can say that it started at a fairly early age. I think I started reading books seriously at about 15 years or 16 years of age and uh, certainly 17. I recall at 17 years old being interested in spirituality and religion and I wanted to know more about different religions, not just one, not just the Christian religion, even though I love Jesus and I always will. Nevertheless, I still want to to learn about other religions. So I would say, you know, I, I, I went to church when I was even a young kid. And I recall having feelings of, yeah, God's real and want to make him personal. So, uh, you know, that spiritual side of me was there early on in life. And I don't know if the traumatic experience of my mother leaving our family when I had just turned seven, you know, had anything to do with that because you start to question life, even as a seven-year-old. Uh, Colin, I'm going to get you to hold on right yes. there. We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Colin Ekstrand is our guest. She's got a book out on Amazon, My Magical Experiences as a small town boy we will return on spaced out radio 
right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. Now our YouTube audience can still hear us. Uh, but uh, so far, so good, my friend. Thank you, Dave. Doing my best. That's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, I'm enjoying see. it. Yeah, so far it's a lot of good. A lot of fun. All right. Let us... Yeah, keep asking the questions. I will. There's a lot to probe here. I will, don't worry. Right on. I prefer that. You do a lot of fishing over there? They do. People do. I particularly don't. I don't have a boat. But I know it's big. Can you not fish off the shore there? Because it's I so think deep. one can. But you will need a fishing license, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see here. All right. Colin, I'm going to try something because apparently there is a little bit of clicking. I cannot hear it, but many people on our chat room are c talking about it. So I'm just going to reboot my audio here and see if it's on my end, okay? Hold on. All right. Like I said, I, audience, I can't hear in the YouTube chat. I can't hear a thing on any sort of clicking whatsoever. See if I can hear it on my YouTube here. One second, Colin. Yeah, no worries. commercial let's just get to it oh there it is
Why am I not hearing that then? <sighs> I don't hear it. No, it's it's like a it's like a ticking sound. Uh, yeah, I, I don't hear it on my end. I hear it on the YouTube side. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know, guys. If this is a. Do you have a fan or anything going behind you? No. No, I don't. Like, this is the laptop, I mean. No, I I, I understand, but like, yeah, I no, don't no. hear it, but I know it's on our YouTube channel, and I don't know if that's your signal or if that's a YouTube thing that is happening. So I, I really don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with our good friend Colin Ekstrand. He's from British Columbia here, right where we are, and he has a book out. You can find it on Amazon. My Magical Experiences as a Small Town Boy. And we're going to get right into it right now. And thank you so much, Colin, for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Uh, let, let's start off with uh, you recently created some sort of invention. Well, it wasn't re- recently. It was actually when I was 19 years old. It was when I was 19 years old that uh, I created a. I drew up a UFO frisbee uh, that could be illuminated uh, in the middle and uh, took it to a uh, patent lawyer in Vancouver. And uh, we sent it off to the patent office and uh, received a reply back saying that there were a few other patents that are similar enough that they couldn't just... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at AppleVacations.com today. Accept it or give it a patent. And so the patent lawyer said that more work would be needed to make changes. And uh, it would take a lot more work to get that done. And uh, at the time, uh, I had gotten a good job and uh, didn't have the expertise to follow through on it. So that's as far as it got. But it was a UFO frisbee and and I was inspired by Star Trek as a, a young guy and I was right into, you know, the woo and spirituality and space and all that stuff. And uh, I did take a shot at it, but uh, unfortunately I, I didn't get it done and uh, I still have it. I still do have it and I still could do work on it, but I really don't have the expertise. And if I come across somebody who's a, an acquaintance of mine who does I'll, I'll I'll probably tap him on the shoulder or her and and uh, discuss it with them. That's where it stands right now. Right. Okay. So, had you ever seen a UFO before? Not to my knowledge, Dave. I wish maybe I would, but uh, you know, I see. You know, I I saw one strange thing, but. It, it, in the sky one time where like two satellites uh, are going by one behind another uh, fairly close at the same speed. I've never seen that before. So, but I've heard then since then that there are some synchronicity, uh, synchronicity uh, done with some satellites where they will follow each other. So now I'm starting to wonder if it, you know, was man-made or what. It just, I couldn't explain it. I haven't seen anything uh, UFO up close or anything extraordinary other than what I just explained on that front. So uh, what made you create this UFO Frisbee? And what did it look like? Well, it looked like a traditional Frisbee, except it had a kind of light bulb in the middle and a a dome on top and you could turn it on and light it up and play with it at night uh, too. Uh, So, you know, a Frisbee with a traditional UFO dome on it. That's what it looked like. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. It would have been. I wish I would have been able to complete it that would have been and you know it was done right across uh on the tennis courts is when i thought of it across from wellington beach which is a great big wide open area that would have been perfect for this frisbee so that was the setting and with my interest in space and 
Star Trek as a young boy. I went for it. I was always setting goals of one sort or another. Meant most of them athletic. But this time I took a shot at being an inventor. (laughs) Oh, hey, I I mean, it worked for you. Uh, Well, almost worked for you. Uh, You know, one sec here. Yeah, I'm starting to hear that ticking too. Um, Colin, when you know the fact that you've had you know uh, in, in your aspects an extraordinary life where you've had some very joyous and, and eventful experiences, you know, would you say it's the power of positivity that is what's really you know been your focus for your new book? Yes. Um, I've used, I, at the end of each chapter, I would even put in, uh, like, words of wisdom. For example, I'll give you an example. The end of one chapter, I would state, for older youth uh, or adults to keep in mind that for younger people, that an encouraging word could possibly change their life and have a meaningful effect in their lives if given that positive reinforcement and recognition. You're quite right about that. Mm -hmm. And how have people responded to you around that? I think most people respond positively. Like, I have sold 177 in the first five months, a lot of them to people who had lived in Powell River. Many do not anymore. But uh, it seems that it's uh, common that it's uh, our roots and it's a common denominator we all share and uh, we all take pride in. Um, Now, beyond that, the positive message which I'm trying to convey, hoping to convey, uh, I've received some very positive feedback so far, yes. Okay, so what is that message you're trying to convey? Persevere. Life has disappointments and challenges. We all face them. Um, Now... I don't leave out God in this book Um, and faith and grace and inspiration. Um, Sometimes those things become very personal and help a person gain inner strength. That's my view. That's what it's done for me. For example, the more I have faith, it seems the less I worry about life's concerns, thinking that I've got somebody, an omnipotent divine creator also looking out after me, assisting along the way Um, for us all. uh, That's my view. And so I don't feel I'm on this path alone. I feel that the divine creator is definitely a big part of my life always has been 
even as a child, uh, not formally, but informally within my mind and within my heart. And, and what has been the reaction from your family, your children regarding this? My girls are very encouraging of this. They're the ones that when I turned 60 about a year or so ago, that reminded me that I had this journal that I talked about turning into a book. They're the ones that reminded me that when I turned 60, that, you know, what am I waiting for? Now's a good time to do it. So they've been very supportive and encouraging. And, you know, do they kind of follow in Pop's footsteps with the divine message? Yes, they do. Like I mentioned, well, in the book anyway, uh, I happen to be a member of the Baha'i faith. Uh, I became a Baha'i at the age of 20 through my investigations and research. And as it turns out, my daughters are Baha'is. And the way this works is when... uh, The children turn 15, they will determine on their own free will if they want to continue on that path or choose a different path. And I'm grateful because it's been meaningful and beneficial to me to be a Baha'i that they have continued on that path. So, yes, it's they're doing that and it's a good feeling. All right, that's perfect. You know, you you are of the Baha'i faith. For people who do not understand what it's all about, uh, could you explain that? Yeah. The Baha'i faith started 178 years ago. Uh, Some of the principles are progressive revelation, where every 500 to 1,000 years, God sends a prophet or messenger, like Jesus, Abraham, Moses, Zoroaster, Muhammad, um, and so 178 years ago, actually, two prophets were sent. One was a herald, herald of the latter one. Baha'u'llah came nine years or thereabouts after the Bab was executed, at, which happens to many of the or all of the, I don't know, all the prophets, but many of the prophets wind up getting martyred. He got, the the Bob got martyred shortly there. He was was foretelling the coming of Baha'u'llah. That was his mission. The the other prophet that came after him 178 years ago, and the, the principles are quality of men and women, the, the, uh, Really, unity is the prime uh, purpose of the coming of the last prophet um, to help unify the unify the wor- world uh, with democratic, free-thinking people and without war and and uh, everybody. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Want to stop engine problems before they start? Pick up a can of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Seafoam helps engines start easier, run smoother, and last longer. Trusted by millions every day, Seafoam is safe and easy to use in any engine. Just pour it in your fuel tank. Make the proven choice with Seafoam. Available everywhere automotive products are sold. Seafoam! Buddy, hopefully cooperating and getting along and living life to the fullest. Um, that's just a little bit about it. So uh, as someone who is completely blind to this type of faith, you know, we're looking at equality of men and women and, you know, that everyone is equal. Yes. Yes. And, but we're, I don't think we're quite there yet. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to accept it and support it. But I think in my mind, you know, there's still steps that need to be done to bring the equality to fruition and, and actualize it. But we're, we're getting there. Oh, we're definitely getting there. Now, now the idea behind the Baha'i faith, uh, you know, do you believe in reincarnation or life on other planets? Um, reincarnation, the writings, our writings state that when we come into this world, it's our first time, but that we are eternal beings. And when we leave this world, we will eventually be reincarnated, I believe, but not necessarily to this world. We're told there's many other different places that a soul could go to, depending on circumstances. Right. Now, whether there's life on other planets, yes, our writings state that there is life on other planets. Not that it's developed at the same rate, you know, because there's the early universe and there's still more to come. And it makes mention that the life on other planets will reflect the environment that the planet has. It could be very different from us. And it will be very different from us in a lot of circumstances. Have but you... there will be life there. Have you uh, experienced life on other planets? Only in my dreams. Uh, or not so, well, yes, that's hard to say. But I did have some alien contact in my dreams. I can say that. Well, that's good. I mean, everybody's got to have a little bit of aliens in their life. Yeah. Uh, mine's in my dreams. I got to fly a craft. And you know, funny, it was back in the days, I believe it was um, it was a Star Trek uh, 
uh, one of the episode, uh, one of the shows, uh, and they had those uh, short guy at the bar, big ears, and he was always in business, and he was always, yeah, uh, always trying to get the uh, better of everybody on uh, on deals, and it was two of those characters in my dream that invited me to f- fly their craft. And then I woke up, darn it. So you don't actually remember flying the craft. Because, Correct. Oh, you're killing so me I know. Here. You're killing I me know. here. But there was one other dream where I was later in life where I was having a real problem with a disc, a nerve, pinched nerve. And I had a dream where there were like four tall grays uh, operating on me because it was a concern I had. I knew what was going on there, but it was not, I was seeing them from a third person viewpoint where I was like 10 feet away watching them. Funny enough, after that dream, when I woke up, my back was a whole lot better and it's been better ever since. So I have, I sort of, Connect those two things. So what makes you think yeah. that they're dreams? Why are you describing them as dreams? That's a good question because some of the dreams I've had have been cognitive dreams. And therefore, you start to wonder if one is consciously aware in a different domain. You know what I'm talking about? different dimension, different reality, whether it be an astral plane, whatever. But a cognitive dream can seem very, very, very real. And I've had some of those. So, yes, yes. And you wonder, definitely, Dave, uh, not all dreams are imaginary. Right. Correct. No, no. I hey, I I have had weird dreams about aliens myself, and I have been able to juxtapose that into knowing that that's when I've had an experience, you know. And I I find it I find it very keen and very interesting that you're still relating uh, some major woo here that you've been hiding from us as dreams it's in the book though it's all in the book but both but here's the thing the people have most people haven't read the book yet oh i know so, i know so and we gotta we got talking we, about it we we gotta get it out there and you know so i mean when did you start noticing these dreams well uh i've always been interested in dreams but I've never been able to make heads nor tails out of most of them. But some of them I have where they're cognitive dreams. They're very vivid. Uh, I've had, you know, I've, I've flown through the universe with the, at maybe light speed and, and uh, having experiences in dreams One time I woke up uh, for a split second with a encompassed by a bright, loving light for a split second before I woke up. 
uh, and I've only experienced that once, and it felt divine. And, you know, Dave, we're sort of alluding to some woo here and things that can go on, and there's many different things that can go on in the world that are woo factors. Oh, very yeah. true. Very true. But I mean, look, I mean, do you you don't consider yourself a, a contactee, though, do you? No, not uh, directly speaking. I'm not aware of that, Dave. Correct. All right. But the dreams are vivid enough. Do you think that there could be something cognizant going on? I think there's always something cognizant going on. We're all interconnected. There isn't a time where isn't something going on. Yes. There's always something going on. Now, because some of the dreams are so hard to define, I'll leave them out. But the cognitive dreams, I would agree. There's something going on there. And uh, it's part of life experience, uh, being awake and also dreaming, in my view, uh, particularly the cognitive dreams that we really remember. We got two and a half minutes before we got to go to break here at the top of the hour. Author Colin Ekstrand is our guest tonight, and we've broken the seal on the woo factor. And, you know, that's where I get excited, and I know most of our audience gets excited as well, Colin, regarding this. So, I mean, the idea that you sat down, these beings told you to sit down, and that they wanted you to fly the craft, what kind of craft were you on? When that happened? Well, it didn't seem large. I'll tell you what happened in the dream, though. I'll be quick because we only got two minutes. I was afraid at first. I was down on the ground. I was hiding from them. I hid behind a big rock. They must have come around in their craft and seen me. They they popped me into their craft. They wanted to show that they were friendly and invite me to fly the craft. Um, because I was a bit scared. They showed me there was no need to fear them. That was the gist of the dream for me. So they just so, came right up to you, though, and said, hey, you want to fly our craft? Apparently, I was glad, because I thought they were going to do some nasty things. Oh. You know, who knows? You know, you hear all these, you know, you hear all these crazy things out there. You don't want to be one of them. But no, they were very friendly and wanted me to fly the craft. I was happy about that. Do they just throw you keys or do they say, hey, come sit in the hot no, seat? You, no, they, basically you put your hands down on the pads and you become one with it. So it's like biological you know, consciousness wrapped yes, into one. Yes, yes, yes. So what's yes, that yes, like to yes, sit? Yes. Now, with the seat, when you sat down in that seat, Colin. Yes. D- Now, these beings that were there, were they little gray dudes? I mean, because... No, they were short brown, remember, short brown dudes, big ears, the great big eared guys in... uh, I'm trying to think of the Star Trek episode, uh, series it was, uh, something something nine, you know, I can't recall. It's on, can't recall it, but... uh, So... Yeah, they just invited me in and invited me to fly the craft. And they were friendly. Son of a gun. I got to find out more about this when we come back from our break here at the top of the hour. 
I, you know, out of all the aliens that I've experienced, never once have them little bastards asked me to fly a craft. I'm kind of jealous of Colin right now. Spaced Out They're Radio. Still for you yet. Spaced Out Radio continues when we return with hour number two next. I'm glad you're getting into the woo. Yeah, because man. There is, there is that with this book. There is that with this book. Oh, we're going to pull. The in the next hour, man, we're going to pull all sorts of woo out of you. I found my direction. Right I found my direction. Right all right. You're, uh, you're doing great. Thank you, man. But uh, I'm going to turn this over to Dirty Filth here for a quick second because we always yeah. like to see what kind of cartoons he's drawing. So, Filthy, it's all up to you, man. I'll be right back. It's all up to dirty filth. Good. Hi, Colin. How's your night going so far? Not too bad. You? Oh, pretty good. I had right some on. butter chicken for supper and did some life drawing. Snuck out early. Is this Klaus? Yes. Ah, how are the kittens? Uh, the gremlin and the gargoyle, they're doing yeah. pretty good. I have no idea where they went. I think Mrs. Filth actually abducted them. And... <laughs> yeah. She's, well, she's she probably downstairs the, reading the book. She can be the pin cushion now. Oh, the, definitely. The claw cushion. They're sharp. I, I forgot how sharp their little yes. tiny stabbing utensils yeah. are. Yeah. Imagine, I they just... know. I know. Some kind of smarter entity of the universe goes, I'm going to create these little tiny fuzzballs and I'm going to put the sharpest things at the end of their feet and, and hands and... Yeah. yeah, well, that's, that's that. That's to balance off how cute they are. They they need some defense. Yeah, look at how cute it is. All oh, my hands have been shredded to bits. Yes, of course. They're, and my older cats, Whiskey and Blob, they're taking it pretty good. All right. So in this drawing, I just decided I was going to draw a bunch of a, U, a couple UFOs and some cryptids cruising around at Excellent. at nighttime. Excellent. But I'm definitely glad it's Friday. Right on. This was the drawing from the other day. This was a. I created oh. this crazy evil snowman that goes around and these people. <laughs> Way back when I was like 16, because I've been drawing cartoons for a thousand years or so now. Oh, right on. Oh. Get a little Sasquatch there and a, a little tiny California nightcrawler. <clears throat> but I'd like to have a dog, but I don't have enough space for a dog. I've got a small dog. Is that the there. one on your book? Pardon me? Yes. Yes, yes. That's uh Princess. So you ever seen a Sasquatch or anything like that? You, no, I have you're not. You're out on the islands. Apparently, I mean, they... I, I, mean, I, I mean, we know all about this stuff, but I haven't seen much of that, I, you know. But yet every day I'm on the, you know, YouTube 
seeing all the films, the recent filming of people capturing them on their cell phones and, and the like. And I'm glad because now we've seen at least on film, uh, you know, maybe six or a dozen Sasquatches. So it's not just like seeing the one anymore. Now they're, you know, showing up more often because of cell phones, I think. And I see just, them. Just see. inadvertently. You know, one of these days, they might catch one on a trail cam. Yeah. I had seen that. I, summer, yeah. it was Africa or something, and they caught a trail cam picture of this bird that they haven't seen for something like 100 years. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what it was. It was just a... I was just flipping through Twitter and I seen it. I'll have to dig it out, but you know, if they can, it's like when they found the coelacanth, they're like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, there it is. So, and then not only that, but people that have interactions with them all the time. I've had, I've seen some fairly convincing photos from people that are trustworthy about the subject. Oh, all right. And, yeah, yeah, they're out there. You know, they don't like as much. Trying I'm to kind avoid of partially us. humans. I don't blame them. I'd rather hang out with the dogs and the cats. Yes, me too. Generally speaking, me too. We get a dog at work. There's at least a dog every day at work, so it works. Out. It's pretty good. Right on. Hi, Dirty. Hello, Dave. How's your night going so far? All right. I'll try something here. Dave, I figured out what those aliens were. They were they were the Ferengi. Nice. Do you remember the Ferengi? I have the never short... watched a single episode of Star Trek. <laughs> okay. Busy man. Too I don't think Dave owns a TV. Uh, no, I own a, I own a couple of TVs. I just never got into Star Trek. Jorgen Johansson, number sixteen in your program, number one in your hearts. He's starting on right wing tonight. Yep. All we need is Yar- Lars Janssen in net. We're, we're we need three more Swedes, four more Swedes to join us. Mennonite Abe, how you doing, buddy? Thank you to Thomas, Tim, and Pascal for the super chats tonight. And here we go with hour number two, everyone. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much. For taking the time to join us, we very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do Old Navy the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight. In the SOR Space Travelers Club, Fayence. Fayence is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night. 
right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. You can read the Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're going to turn up the woo here. And yes, people, I will admit, I have never seen an episode of Star Trek, and I'm damn proud of it. Never seen X-Files. I've never seen anything weird on TV. Why? I don't know. I just, I'm not that guy. But our guest is Colin Ekstrand, and he's got some serious woo that he's going to open up here, and it's all in his book, My Magical Experiences as a Small Town Boy. You can find it on Amazon as we speak. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Great. I I remembered the name of the aliens now. It's the Ferengi. Now, so you wouldn't know what they are because you didn't watch Star Trek, but the Ferengi, were, one was a guy at the bar and he had a brother and they were, they didn't look too good, but you know, um, they, 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 they had UFOs. <laughs> hey, I want to, because we are getting a little bit of ringing uh, for some audience members on your, does your laptop that you're running on right now have a computer drive on it, like a disk drive? No, it doesn't. Okay. No, it doesn't. No. All right. All right. I just wanted to check up on that because uh, I don't. I don't hear it personally. I thought I was in the last half hour, but uh, I, I, I don't hear it. But nonetheless, we're going to continue on here on the show. But uh, Colin, right before the break, we were talking about the fact that these big-eared brown dudes who were on a UFO they came over you. How old were you when this happened? That was, you know, it, it was around when I was about 16 when they were playing it on TV. It was a, it, coincidentally, you know, uh, that dream happened uh, the same time the episodes were playing on TV. So I was about 16 for that one. Wow. So you're 16 years old. They basically tell you to sit in this seat. What was that seat like? You know, it was like a pilot and co-pilot. Uh, uh, now, remember, uh, I never, I woke up before I got the Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Adobe, Pepsi, and Home Depot, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. Listen to this insight from Stanley Druckenmiller, the greatest investor of all time. If you love what you do, first of all, your work ethic's going to be fantastic. You're just going to be better at something if you enjoy it than if you don't enjoy it. 
And this from Brian Cornell, the CEO of Target. I think you've got to balance short-term with long-term. And you've got to have a conviction that the things you're doing, your investments, your strategy, over time, you're making the right investments and right decisions for your brand and your business. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. Apply the darn thing. So what was the seat like? It it was a fairly normal seat, but what was interesting, what was in front of the seat, you know, some dials, and this is how you fly the craft. That's as far as I got was the hand thing. It wasn't like a steering wheel or a stick to go up and down. It was the one thing I got to find out was that this is how you fly the craft. You put your hands uh, on these platforms on the dashboard in front of you. That's as far as I got. But I've heard that before because I follow you guys a lot in my life. I've heard this before. So it's a fairly common thing one will hear about these craft and the way they're flown. Were you on the ground when they asked you to fly the ship or were you already up in the air? Uh, they had got me into the ship ship by that time. You know, and then there was that other dream where four tall greys were operating on my back, it looked like. And the next day I woke up, thankfully, uh, much better and have been ever since. So interesting. Okay. So the, the idea that you're sitting in this craft and they tell you to sit down and fly the ship before you black out, what was, what were or you wake up or wake yeah. up or whatever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what were you looking at? Initially I was scared, right? Trying to, uh, flee them, hoping they wouldn't see me because I just fear the unknown. I didn't know. But once I got in the craft, they conveyed a friendly, a very friendly attitude. So uh, I relaxed a lot uh, upon seeing that they were friendly to me. So I was in the craft at the time. Yeah, they, they got a hold of me. And I don't know how I got in the craft, but dreams can be strange anyway. But I did find myself on the craft having this experience. Okay, so the the next time you had one of these wild encounter dreams, you ran into some greys. What did they look like? They were dressed in doctor's gowns. I couldn't see much of them because they were they had the caps on and the gowns on and their backs were three of the backs or, or two of the backs were turned to me. There might have been one facing me and one at the head of a, a table, operating table. Um, so they were covered like doctors would be covered. So it's really hard for me to tell you. I couldn't see their faces because they were wearing, <laughs> they were all ready for surgery. 
And you said that they operated on your back. Yes. Were you have Were you having back issues? At yes, the time? I was. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. Yes, yes, I was. And I didn't have after that. <laughs> Strangely enough. So they healed you, and I'm grateful. Whatever, I'm grateful. What was causing your back pain previous <clears throat> to this? <laughs> I'd gone for an eye examination. And when they start poking at my eyes, uh, I had actually fainted in their chair and fell out of their chair and injured my back. That's how I injured it. Okay. So all of a sudden, these, these grays bring you on different from the crew that wanted you to, to give you the keys to the craft. And... Yeah. And now they are working on your back and healing you. I mean, this just sounds incredible. Well, it does sound incredible, but I do happen to follow quite a few channels, uh, YouTube channels, and it doesn't seem that uncommon uh, for the experiencers. Like they may be in the minority, but the majority of experiencers seem to be repeating similar stuff. Mm-hmm. So that sort of makes me think there's more validity to it when you hear it from more than one person. Oh, absolutely. And I I would agree with that. Okay. The, the idea, though, that, I mean, so many people have these wild encounters with extraterrestrials mm-hmm. and you rarely you rarely rarely hear of those who are actually being healed by beings why do you think these beings were healing you well i pray every day and i don't particularly uh, I ha- I, I'm not prejudiced against beings from other planets either. So maybe that was the best way to get the job done. Uh, but uh, in all seriousness, uh, I do pray. And maybe that was part of uh, the answered prayer. Who knows? You know, it does make one think seriously about it. <laughs> No, that that it does, and, and and that is very true. I mean, did you think these creatures were godly in some way, or some sort no. of angel, or no, 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 just an evolved human consciousness from their own planet. So not godlike, no, no, maybe advanced, maybe more informed in some areas, but. Our souls are powerful. Even though we may not have some of the technology and knowledge some advanced, older civilizations might have, our souls are powerful and they're eternal. And this may be early in our journey and we have the potential throughout eternity 
or even as humans to develop our spiritual capacities and wonderful things will result from that. And I would agree with you going back to these, these grays that took you for a few minutes here. Okay. Yeah, sure. Were they talking to you telepathically? No. Were they giving no, you any nothing. messages of what they were doing? No, just the visual. The I think the message was visual and that that's what I saw. And that's what, uh, you know, the operating on my back. And then the next day waking up much better <laughs> noticeably from there, there onward. So there was no communication, just the visual. And um, again, I got healed uh, much better. So just gratitude. Just, yeah, absolutely. And how did you, okay, did you wake up on the table when this happened? No, it seemed I had, I was cognited, cognitive of the dream when I was already on the table and they were midway through the operation and somehow my consciousness at that point became aware that I'm standing about 10 feet away watching all of this. Okay. So, yeah. So you, yeah, you so no you, communication, just the visual. So you had an out of body experience watching yourself get operated on by the grays. Yes, correct. Correct. Correct, yeah. Okay, so from your angle out of body watching this, what are you seeing take place? Them operating on my back. That's what I see. Okay, but where uh, where on your back? Your now, upper now back, your time, lower back? Now at the, it was lower back lower back and now at the time I wasn't sure what was going on until I woke up in the morning and my back was better you know it felt better and it's been since then so yeah uh it uh it was when I woke up by I figured that there might have been way more to that dream than met the eye okay were they using any instruments or yes. or what did those look like? Like a straw with a light at the end. Frequencies, laser frequencies, frequencies, you know, a, a long straw-like thing. And it just, like there was an open incision, or I think there was, and they were placing it on my back where the injury was and it looked like a long straw with a light at the end of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So they did use an instrument that I could tell. And I was curious because I'm asking myself, why are there four, maybe two to do the job or maybe three, but there were four tall grays. Now I associate tall grays with the smarter ones, the more in control, uh, more freedom. Uh, and so I'll tell you, I think they healed me for a reason. 
they wanted me to be healthy in my later years so I could do what I'm doing now, write the book and 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 share that story in the book as well. So, yeah, so it's uh, strange that way, but the more I think about it, and I'll be honest, that's what I think. I think they, I think that there's a reason, and I think this book is. This book and the path and project that I started with this book to help inspire others, particularly youth, because most of the book was written as a youth, um, could serve them well in this world. How long did this surgery last, do you think? That's hard to say, because I was only there for a short time before what I woke up or... Yes. So that's hard for me to say, Dave, because of that, because I wasn't there for the whole, I wasn't aware uh, for the whole procedure. Okay. Now you say, how, how long do I think it was? That's hard to say. I would say quick. They work quick, Dave. They work quick. I don't think it. I was on the table very long. That's what I think, but I don't know for sure. Because <laughs> I was I was mobile I was mobile the next morning when I woke up. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, yeah. Was there any scarring afterwards? No, no, no. Like no, no, nothing like that. Okay, so. Now we have you on one craft trying to fly the ship, but you chickened out. And I'm real jealous of you right now. Well, I woke the... up. I didn't chicken out. Well, I walked up to the front saying, yeah, I'm ready. Well, I know, but uh, I'm going to call it that because <laughs> I'm jealous, Colin. I'm going to call it that totally. I know, I know. I, I know. I, I, you have no idea how jealous I am of that. I, <laughs> I really wish I could have flown it and remembered. But have you not have had any dreams where you're – Flying out, of, flying through the air, like levitating and going places. Oh yeah, cognitive a, a cognitive dream where you're it's really clear. Yeah, but they haven't let me fly the ship yet. Yeah, that that's yeah, that, that's I what know. I'm waiting for. I want to fly. Yeah, the yeah, ship. that's the big one. That's the big one. You yeah. know, everybody wants to fly the ship. Exactly. So, and then you <laughs> you got the second experience. Uh, you get the the second experience where you get healed by four alien greys. Now, did you ever get a good look at the uh, at the craft? Were they similar? Were they different? No, they would have been different. The, sec- the one with the greys was bigger. But it was bigger. Yeah. Like the, uh, the Ferengi one was a, a, what, 12 foot typical UFO kind of thing, what you would imagine. But, of course, you hear these stories about people going inside craft that looks like it's 20 feet wide. You get in there, and all of a sudden it's 200 feet wide or 200 yards wide or bigger. There's so much going on that you're you're probably aware of that by – listening to your associates that explain experiences like that. 
I'm reiterating that. So it's pretty fascinating. The, the, the gray ship was bigger. It was dark. The only thing that was lighted was around the operating table. That was really bright. And then around that was darker. Not a lot of light. It seemed to be focused on the operating table at the time. It was a bigger ship. But all I can say it was bigger because the Ferengi ship looked like it was a 20-foot typical smaller UAP. Uh, but the, the operating room was much bigger than what was the Ferengi smaller craft. Okay, so getting back to your own physical body, you wake up the next morning, you're in bed, you you have recall of what's happened. You don't have any scarring. Did you have any marks on you whatsoever? No, not that I'm aware of just healed. And, uh, again, grateful. My goodness. So, no marks. Like not that I'm aware of no marks that I'm aware of. Huh. Now, after these two experiences, what kind of dreams regarding aliens have you had since then? Not too many, you know. I more, most of my flying dreams, levitating dreams, cognitive dreams happen more in my youth than they do now. Uh I wish I had more dreams where I'm flying through the universe, you know, and levitating and thinking to the left of my head and I go to the left and think to my nose and I go that way and think to my right and then I go right. You know, those were wonderful cognitive dreams where I am in control of levitating and at times see other people down below me, watching me up in the air with their eyes as big as saucers like we would if we saw somebody here doing that. But that was a dream. So, yeah, dreams can be pretty wild for sure. But that's where all the good stuff seems to happen, Dave. Oh, true. True. It's all about the good stuff. You know, as we got about one minute to go here before we have to go to break at the the uh, bottom of the hour here. We got another 30 minutes with you tonight, Colin. But I mean, do you call it dreams just out of your own safety? No, they're different. It's a cognitive dream. That's different than a dream. Very different. Absolutely. And those with the, the aliens, those were cognitive dreams. Clearly remember that's different from a normal dream that is just helter skelter. Don't know what to make of it. And blah, you know, yeah, the big difference, cognitive dream. Colin, I'm going to get back to you uh, when we come back from the break about cognitive dreams, because I think that's important to talk to next. And it, I'm so jealous. You flew the ship. Don't you have dreams with aliens? Oh yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. You've met one, I heard. Tell me. Yes, I have met aliens. We'll get into that yeah. a little bit more here well, when I'm we return from now. the break on Spaced Out Radio. Author Colin Ekstrand, his book on Amazon, My Magical Experiences as a Small Town Boy. 
Spaced Out Radio continues when we return. We are clear, and uh, let's give a shout-out here. Daniela, my grandma played with little people all her life. Oh, my gosh. That is story time I would love to hear. I so believe in the little people. The AR Perspective, how you doing? Good to have you back. Uh, D. Swiger, good to see you. The Michael Leger, nice to have you back. Oh, hey, Clam. Crystal J, nice to see you. Uh, YJ, you're probably right again. A backup for the fighters. Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see. Um, who else do we have? Uh, I don't think I've flown the craft, Chris. Teen. I don't think I have. I think they'd give me that one. I really think they'd give me that one. I like the social dig. I'm awesome in my dreams. <laughs> That's great. Good. I'm awesome in my dreams. I woke up on the table my first time that I know of. Uh, was it a good experience or not so good? Well... Uh, to this day, I don't know. I, I know they got me back okay. real quickly because I was going to piss all over their table, right? Yeah, and then you woke up and went to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know that always ruins it. Maybe that's why I don't get as many dreams is because I'm up every two hours now, but maybe we should dream more because I understand dreaming happens best just as we're falling asleep or... As we're about to wake up, I don't know. Right. But, yeah, I wish I had more of them. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive nonstop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at AppleVacations.com today one second a little siren going off there it's my wife cooking oh no hey clam can you check your Facebook Messenger, please? <clears throat> hey, 
scowling Greg O'Brien. Mix master. Oh, gotcha. Baking. Baking. Uh, I think it's chiffon cake. Oh. oh. You, you tell <laughs> you tell wifey to just bring that up here. Just bring it on up here to 100 miles. There's quite a bunch there, yeah. Yeah, like, Davey will take some of that. Davey will take yeah. some of that. I'd share it. There's lots here. Mm-hmm. Looking through my notes to see if I can find any more woo for you. Oh, maybe my meditation experience. That's a short chapter in the book. It's, It's not a very long one. But it might be worth going over. Sure. Meditation experience. I wonder, Dave, when I was 19, I wrote, uh, started a curriculum called Body, Mind, and Soul. Um, uh, never completed it, but it was interesting. Uh, 19 years later, my daughters wind up getting uh, scholarships, full scholarship to Maxwell International Baha'i School with the same spiritual principles. Uh and they wound up winning their most prestigious awards. Nice. This all took place 19 years later after I wrote that. We should maybe cover that. That's a good story. Well, we'll try and sneak it in If you have time. If you have time. If you don't, that's okay. It's just a good story to throw your way if you want. Uh, Yeah, it's a really good one. There's some woo in there. Definite woo, but you only if we have time. You might have it already planned out. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. We continue on. We got till the top of the hour. Author Colin Ekstrand talking some serious alien woo with us tonight and his book, which can be found on Amazon. 
my magical experiences as a small town boy. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Oh, let me get my microphone back on. There you go. There you go. I want to ask. I want to ask you before we get into anything deeper here. Let's let's talk about the cognitive dreams for people who may not understand what a cognitive dream is. Explain that. It's it's waking up in a dream, fully aware and in control of your faculties. And when you're in control of your faculties in your dream, you can do things like levitate and fly and go places by thought. For me, when I'm in that situation, I can think to the top of my head and I go up. I can think to my nose and I go forward. I can think to my left and I go left. My right ear or something, my head, right ear, go right. I flew through the universe one time. It was incredible. So that's just one example. But it's like you're fully aware in your dream and you can do things that you can't do in other dreams. You're more fully in control of your environment and yourself. So the idea that these seem extremely realistic and you yourself have proof that your back was healed. Why not just believe that it happened, man? Again, I'm just, yeah, strange, but grateful. They were kind to me. Why not? We need more kindness in the universe. (laughs) Oh, 100%. 100% correct on that. You know, we definitely do. I'm glad they were nice to me. You hear hear some pretty unsettling stories about abduction and tests and stuff that would scare anybody. And uh, luckily, my experiences in my Cognitive dreams weren't anything like that. They were all both positive. Now, you also have done a little bit of meditation. And yes. you've had some experiences through meditation as well. Yeah. I found I was able to meditate more as a younger person. But the one interesting experience I did have at around 19 years of age was while laying on my back, trying to relax and medit- and, and clear my mind. Um, finding, well, what, what, you know, sometimes I, I would strive to astral travel in my meditations when I was young, but in this, but I, I never really was able to do that, but it was beneficial because you relax your whole body and bring down your blood pressure and clear your mind. But the um, one experience that was noteworthy was while I was lying down, a beam of energy came from above through the ceiling of my bedroom, down through my forehead, and down into the ground. 
I even heard the ceiling above me crack as this happened. As the energy was coming down, just like, you know, heat and cold, you know, sometimes heat and cold can make a roof crack a little bit, but it happened right at that time, lasted for about four or five seconds. This energy going through my forehead and then it stopped and I've never experienced it again, but it's in my book. Because for me, I've always been interested in the, maybe call it supernatural. It's different than normal. It's paranormal. It's a little different than the normal six senses. And the soul has so much potential that we're just scratching the surface of it and Cognitive dreams and uh, are, are, are as part of the evolution. I think the more we evolve spiritually, the more we'll be able to utilize uh, those psychic spiritual gifts. But maybe not until we're more developed spiritually. But yes, yeah, so there was this beam of energy that came through my head above and through the ground for about five seconds. I don't recall receiving any information, but who knows? Um, I, I tell myself, who knows? Because the spiritual world can be so strange and different than our waking lives. I think there's a whole lot more possibilities that go on in the spiritual realm than in the physical realm. And sometimes we experience those spiritual things like cognitive dreams. I think that shows how real other dimensions are for us as souls. It confirms the existence of other worlds other than this world, other worlds that are spiritual that we sometimes go to in our dreams or maybe always do when we don't remember it. Are all dreams spiritual that way? Not mine. Remember, the cognitive dreams are way more meaningful for me. Other dreams, Dave, I can't make heads nor tail of them. So when you say, are all dreams spiritual? I don't know whether you mean the crazy dreams or the uh, the, the cognitive dreams. They're more spiritual to me. I think there's purpose behind cognitive dreams whereas other dreams dave i can't sometimes find any purpose in them well there are a lot of people cognitive dreams, yes. there are a lot of people out there who do not remember their dreams at that's all that's right you know that's right and, and you know you were asking me about my own with extraterrestrials and i can tell you point blank that unless it is a dream about et's i know i'm dreaming but I sure as heck don't remember anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I often don't remember things. But when I do, and the cognitive dreams are very easy to remember. Dave, do you have cognitive dreams where, where there's a great difference between a scattered dream and something that, whoa, you're in control here? Have you had one where you've been able to levitate and fly and go anywhere or do something? Like in your dream where you're aware and uh, of what you're doing? 
in a, in a way, had- uh, I would say the only time I remember levitating was when I had a dream about about going up on a craft, and every, I, I was trying to run away and get into my house. But every yeah. step I every step yes. I took, I started yes. r- rising into the air. That was with the Ferengi. I was hiding behind a big rock. They still got me. Yeah, so you did have one then, Dave. Yes. At least one. Yes. Good. I don't have them often enough, so they don't happen too often. I wish they happened more often. I, I got a couple questions from Nicole. She is asking, Colin, what are your thoughts on CE5 and Heiss? Not familiar with Heiss, but CE5. Um, it's very interesting to me that people, I believe the CE5 is when you get together with other people and you sort of are there with the intention of summoning UFOs. Am I correct? Dave? Yes. Is that yeah. I'm trying to make a connection so, experience. Yeah. So, you know, generally my viewpoint is since they don't seem to interact with the generality of people on earth too much, I being one of them, I'm thinking that these are entities showing us that there's far more to the world than meets the eye. And having us think about that and learning what it is more that meets the eye. And for me, that's uh, an inward journey, an inward journey, spiritual journey. All the spiritual power we possess is within us. It's not out there. It's in us. So we explore our own potentials. Well, and so... Have you been able to control your own potentials and your own explorations through this journey? I'm always trying to develop myself. Self-improvement, I believe, is the path for enlightenment and with knowledge and wisdom. It's an inner journey. And uh, as we discover more about ourselves, and I'm speaking on a soul level here, we can then start to utilize those attributes more and develop them more. But it seems that a lot of those spiritual attributes are almost veiled to us so that we can come to this earth and be challenged by all of life's challenges, and there's many of them for everybody. Um, But I do believe that part of the purpose of being here is to discover those spiritual qualities within us. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. Let's go back to back with Nicole here. Have you ever tried to make contact with a group of people regarding this? In my younger days, uh, uh, I would I was with a bunch of people and we hit the beach at night and uh, we were hoping to uh, have a rendezvous 
didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> all, all we got was a lot of dark dogs barking at us out on the beach <laughs> in the middle of the night. Uh, no, uh, as a rule, I have not, Dave. Uh, I've left it. Now, in the Baha'i writings, they speak of, you know, life on other planets basically being left to the scientists, not the spiritualists, okay? So so my spiritual journey is an inner journey, and uh, the UFO factor is probably both an inner journey and out there, but would require rigorous scientific investigation on a multi-level spectrum to make headway into understanding what some of these uh, paranormal phenomena are. Okay. Scientific study. But it may be spiritual too. We may find it's very spiritual. And that's the million dollar question. What, what is it all about? What is what is it all about? What does it mean? You know, how do we, uh, you know, find a direction and continue down that pointed direction regarding this type of contact? You know, I mean, that's difficult. That's very well, difficult you know, to understand. You, you know what I keep hearing, Dave? I keep hearing that they're waiting for us to grow up spiritually. So let's do it. I'm working on it. I think that, you know, that is the answer to your question. You asked, how do we do it? My answer would be, we each work on self-improvement to be a better human being. And I think as we evolve spiritually, they will be more open to us. They're waiting for that. They're waiting for us to stop treating each other or the world with disrespect. That I understand. A lot of contactees are getting that. Uh, Let's go to another question here. This one comes from Michael. Does our physical nervous system have any relevance in these realms that you're traveling to? Um, I believe not. I believe we're more soul and astral body in these experiences. But what our nervous system is like in our astral body or in our soul body, I couldn't exactly tell you. But we can sense things in our astral body and our soul bodies. So there's definitely a sensory capacity there in these uh, subtle energies called astral bodies or souls that we have. Uh, Beyond that, I couldn't tell you what. Uh, the connection would be from our nervous system to those experiences other than you certainly can feel when you're having those experiences, just like you could here, but you're not in your body. You're probably some uh, ball of light, possibly uh, flying and witnessing this, Uh, these things and you don't even know what your own body is it might be a ball of light for all you know that's looking out and uh, you think you're yourself and you're moving around and doing things and your body's sleeping somewhere (laughs) you know it could could very well be so do you astral project then as well 
No, I don't. I wish I could. I, you know, I, 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 I really wish I could. I really wish I, I can't sleep on my back. You know, when I had that meditation ex, experience when I was 19, I was on my back. I find it very difficult to to relax on my back. I'll be turning over on my side after five minutes. I think to astral travel, one needs to be on one's back. You can do it sitting up. To, re- to relax. You can do it sitting up. Uh, Not that I would know done- or anything, but yeah, it can be done. Yeah, I think one could. I think one could do it sitting up, but I'm not practicing that. But maybe I should, eh? Never know. Never know. I did try it sitting up. You know, I tried it every way <laughs> because I really wanted to ask for travel, you know, but uh, it's not that easy. So maybe that's for the next world. The, the good Lord's just telling me, no, Colin, you know, you'll get plenty of astral traveling when you die. Astral, astral woo is the way to go. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Want to stop engine problems before they start? Pick up a can of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Seafoam helps engines start easier, run smoother, and last longer. Trusted by millions every day, Seafoam is safe and easy to use in any engine. Just pour it in your fuel tank. Make the proven choice with Seafoam. Available everywhere. Automotive products are sold. Seafoam! Totally the way to go. What? You know, I'd like to experience more before then, but so far it's just been a little bit. What would you like to experience? I'd like to experience. I would like to experience associating with other entities from other planets, cooperating, sharing, caring. Yeah, learning. You know, we all have something to contribute uh, and uh, and accomplish. So, but I think things happen at at the right time and place. And sometimes what we want, we don't get. For example, I like to ask for travel. Um, but what would I like to do? I'd like to go and meet other civilizations. And learn. I can see that. From them. Yeah, I I can totally see that. Mainly. Learn from their culture. I want to see what their culture's like. You know? What's their religion? What's their spirituality? What's their belief system? What's their food? Uh, As much as possible, those things would interest me. And I would also hope to be able to... uh, share our way of life with them or our insights and just be friends and learn from each other and support each other in a universal way. 
That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Sure oh, yeah. We've gone about three and a half minutes with you tonight, Colin, and I want to just give a shout out that you can find Colin Eckford's book, or pardon me, Extran's book, pardon me, uh, My Magical Experiences as a Small Town Boy on Amazon. What do you want the world to know about what you're going through? Uh, I'm going through a process of rising above challenges and disappointments in life. Um, through my faith, through striving, through planning, through persevering. Those are the things that are in my book. Those are the things I've done many times, continue to do. So it's don't lose hope when things are down. Faith can be a very valuable tool. Um, for me, I with faith, I worry less and I feel supported. Now, through all of this, I've received through my life many confirmations or successes that sort of make me think that, uh, yeah, the good Lord is helping me because a lot of these successes were beyond my own expectation. So I'm on not only using my own uh, faculties, but I'm putting faith in God's faculties to assist me too. And we're a team. Everybody should be a team with the good Lord. And I think one can accomplish more in life that way. That's been, I've done it. That's been my experience. That's yeah. my main message, message is don't lose hope. There's a very, there's a lot of value in the faith. And uh, if you need it, seek it. And if you seek it, you'll find it. Do you put out to the universe that you want more contact? Only if God wills it. Dave, all I want is to fulfill my role in life to the very best of my ability. And it only be so much. So when I pray, I rarely pray for, pray for myself. I'm usually praying for the people of the world to raise their level of consciousness so that we can have communication and more open contact with beings from other civilizations. It's all through self-improvement. Uh, again, the main message is faith. Believe in yourself. You, one has to have a strong belief in their nobility to put out a lot of effort and see if I'm noble, I'm going to strive my very best. And seemingly with that attitude and the good Lord helping me, I've uh, accomplished a lot for a rather ordinary person. And it's all in my book. There's probably two or three dozen stories that are beyond the usual that caught my interest that made it into the book that confirmed to me that this is a good path and that there is a divine power there to assist us if we wish to utilize it. Right. Uh, the more we reach out to it, the more it can help us. Colin, that's a great place for us to end tonight. And I want to say a big thank you, Colin Ekstrand, for coming on Spaced Out Radio tonight. What a pleasure to get to know you, your incredible experiences. You can find Colin's book on Amazon, 
my magical experiences as a small town boy. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on a spooky journey. Then, we have Terry Hall filling in on the UFO report tonight. Great job, Colin. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Dave. Dave, you made it pretty painless. Well, I try. I try. I, I prefer. I prefer the uh, ad, uh, you know the ad lib and discussion format than reading quotations. Perfect. Perfect, yeah. my friend. Well, you hopefully go- I haven't. You know, hopefully I I uh, did the job for you, Dave. It's you did my great. first uh, attempt, and uh, I'm hoping I didn't let you down. I enjoyed it. Thank you. You you were fantastic. Thank you so much for delivering some serious Friday night woo, man. Right on. Take care. Right on. Okay, you too. Good night. Thank you. Good night. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. There we go. Very kind man. All right. I will be right back, guys. I'm just going to... Um, do something. I don't know. I'll be right back. If you see Terry, tell him to hold on.
right. Do, 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 do. Charge. Hi, Ronnie. Hi, Jennifer on Spreaker. Thank you tonight to Thomas, Tim, and Pascal for the super chats. Very much appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think it was his computer, something about that. But that's okay. Terry, we need you back in the, the, the green room, my man. I know you're listening. We need you back in the green room. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Fans. Fance is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight as we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. At the time of this, I was a 15-year-old boy. Keep this in context that I live in a small town in southern Ontario, and crime wasn't very widespread. This happened in February 2022. There was lots of snow this year. I was excited because of the week school break. So, while my younger siblings were at school, I wasn't because I had no exams for COVID canceling them and all that good stuff. So I was sitting at home and I decided that I wanted to go to Tim Hortons since I was craving one of their hot coffees. So I grabbed my earbuds and put on a podcast while I started walking. I believe it was either Swamp Dweller or something along those lines. So I got off my street, which keep in mind is this small road. 
Hence, I walked on to a longer road which took about 20 minutes to walk down to get to the main street I had to get to. Getting to Main Street, I now had to walk another 20 minutes to get to the Tim Hortons I was going to, so I continued down the road. I wasn't thinking about much, I was kinda just lost in my own head when suddenly a man in his young 20s stopped me about halfway down the road by touching my shoulder, and I was kinda shocked. I took my earbud out and looked at him. He then asked me questions that started innocently like, Do you know where a cannabis place is? I said no. They then asked how old I was and I lied, saying I was 16. He then asked me if I had a phone. I said I did, but it was low battery. He asked me if I had a lighter where I was going and if I knew the bus schedule, which I lied about most things, especially where I was going. I just pointed in a direction and saying I was going over there. And then he said, okay, and crossed the street. I was so shocked. I took note of the guy just in case something happened to me. He was in his young 20s. He was wearing a flannel shirt, blue jeans, wearing a backpack, and he was African-American, about 5'10". I kept looking across the street periodically, and there he was, always walking in the same direction as me, following me from the distance, always staring at me with this weird look on his face. I then saw him go near an apartment building, so I thought I overreacted because I couldn't see him anymore. The apartment building was near Tim Hortons, so I went inside and ordered a drink. But before I got my drink, I turned around and the guy was all of a sudden there, staring at me from behind a pillar. I tried to just not freak out. Once he noticed that I saw him, he walked to the bathroom. I grabbed my drink and I walked as fast as possible into a Sobeys nearby so I could lose him. I then took extra measures walking behind a home hardware store and walking farther because I was so scared that I didn't want them to follow me home, know where I lived, or any weird stuff like that. I've listened to way too many scary story podcasts. I went to a no-frills nearby so he would never be able to find me. I was very cautious on my way back and looked at all the possibilities that could have happened. I reflected on myself and I only told close friends and family this story. You're probably wondering, why didn't you call the police? Well, that's because I didn't want to cause a problem if I needed to. And this was not necessarily a crime, you know, it's not like it's really against the law to stare at people and freak them out and follow them into establishments. I'm just lucky I got away before it got any worse. Well, we thank the Swamp Dweller for another spooky story here on Spaced Out Radio. We appreciate the love and support that we get from Swamp Dweller each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR. Hey, if you want to listen to thousands of stories, all you got to do is go to his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you're going to be able to get right into it right off the bat. Swamp Dweller kicks off the third hour of Spaced Out Radio each Monday through Friday night. From the swamp to the skies, let's get to the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Good evening, boss. Good evening, Terry Hall, filling in for the vacationing Tim Senor on the UFO report tonight. Terry, your mustache and goatee on par as per usual. And yours as well. Thank you. Thank you. It's kind of odd. I had everything set up, ready to rock and roll, ready to go. Uh, two minutes before airtime, the wind kicked up, internet went down, I had to swap over to my phone. 
<laughs> hey, that's all right. You're still looking good. You're still sounding good. And that's all that matters as we continue on. You know, Terry, uh, it's been a year where we've wondered ups and downs of the UFO world here, and we're still waiting for the report to come out on whether or not uh, we're going to get a report. It's looking that way. We're hopeful that this UFO report that was supposed to come out on Halloween was uh, was going to be right around the corner. It looks like it might finally be that way. Well, Chris Mellon kind of dropped something about that the other day, but then again, Danny Sheehan just said they don't even have the office put together yet. So that's half a dozen of one, six of the other. I mean, what do you think about it? Well, according to D. Dean Johnson, a journalist who uh, has been covering this story, we seem to be very close, closer than ever to to finally getting this report. I mean, heck, it's almost two months late, but there apparently there there was a lot of dragging going on regarding this subject. There was a lot of of different types of of political uh, arguing going on behind the scenes on what should be allowed and what shouldn't be allowed, and. You know, it, it's one of those things where I'm I'm really hoping, man, that we're finally at this point where we can where we can get to a report. Now, what's going to be in that report? I really don't know. I don't believe in the amnesty. I don't believe that we are going to get whistleblowers being uh, safe to come out and finally talk about what the government is hiding. I think that has been taken off the table. One of my sources has told me uh, told me earlier today that uh, indeed, in fact, the government cowered, uh, not cowered, but cowered uh, to the <laughs> to the Pentagon's uh, demands about about uh, whether or not they're going to allow their people to talk freely, either on camera or behind the closed curtain, about this subject. So, I mean, are you getting sick and tired of the games, Terry? What I'm wondering about, as far as the NDAA thing goes, is... Everybody who has a security clearance. And Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to top-rated resorts like Ryu Hotels and Resorts and plan your vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at AppleVacations.com today. It's been written into a program. Uh, and it made, Grant Cameron made it clear with the aviary uh, that they're not allowed to talk about this kind of stuff. And if they are, they can't continue on getting their security clearance thing. Well, with them being able to talk, quote unquote, with 
uh, it just doesn't make sense to me. How are they going to continue on with getting their security clearances if they're breaking oaths? It just seems, like you said, it just seems like a game. And then they have the loophole uh, at the reporting office to, if it's too sensitive, they only have to report it to the chairman of the office. It just seems like we're not going to, it doesn't seem like you're trying to push the football down the field to me. No, and and I and I understand that, but we need them to be pushing it. We need them to be to be opening up, but we're not going to get it. And I think we are seeing, you know, like uh, I've talked to people like Nicole Sackett recently, who have stated that it's almost like the the second round of the Condon report, where it's a whole lot of nothing and there's a whole lot of cover ups going on and it's not about truth it's about how quickly can we get this subject right back under the under the carpet where it belongs you know i mean there's a lot riding on the line terry regarding the ufo topic and and i am just you know i'm kind of blown away at at all of these promises that we knew weren't going to be kept i i don't think are going to be kept and i think we're going to be disappointed again i think we are too um I do know some people uh, that are scheduled to go before Congress, and one of the things that they're one of the things that one of the people is trying to push for is public service announcements on television, regular public service announcements about UFO, UAP, um, to kind of prep people for when disclosure. I mean, true disclosure really does happen. Uh, you know, people as well as I do that when they have an experience, it just messes them up. They have a hard time functioning in life because you go from a black and white world to an all gray world. And for some people, it causes PTSD for some people, some people that we know it, it completely makes them change their life. A hundred percent. Oh, you're exactly Um, right. I mean, listen to our guest tonight. Yeah. And it just so happens that uh, another member of your staff is another experiencer like that. They went through life in black and white. Their parents were scientists and teachers. And then all of a sudden, everything's gray. And when that happens, you got to stop and think for a second because they've been told and we've been told UFOs aren't real. We've also been told that Bigfoot isn't real and cryptids aren't real and Dracula and the werewolves and the mummy isn't real either. So really? what are you supposed to think? <laughs> no, that's very true. We're hopefully, you know, it, it might be next week. It might be after Christmas. Uh, we, we knew that it would happen after the announcement of the B 21, the United States air forces, new long range, uh, nuclear capable bomber that, uh, apparently they need. Okay. So final thoughts on the report, when do you see it coming out? I've been, and recently I've been told it could be as late as May. Uh, I'm hoping before the new year, but I seriously doubt it. I'm, I'm looking towards 2023 before we see a report. I think you're right on that. I think we're too close to Christmas. Or what they'll end up doing because this is a famous media yarn that the politicos like to play, I think what we could see 
is the Friday before Christmas at like four o'clock. That's when it's going to come out and it's going to be buried and, and it's going to send people on a whole cat chase and nobody's going to be able to get a hold of anybody on the phone or via email because it's Christmas time. And I think that's the game that's going to be played. Then they're going to watch Twitter explode when it happens. As always, as always. All right. (laughs) Trending on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, such a healthy environment these days. All day, the last couple of days, Bob Lazar has been trending again, again. Now, this has to do with a John Greenwald, Black Vault type of um, story once again where he really digs into whether or not there is any truth. And he called it the Bob Lazar deep dive where he took it on to the public. Like, why do you believe? And to quote John, he says, I want you all to steer me a bit with your beliefs and or disbeliefs, both pro and con, and I'll see what I come up with. Here's a thread I want you to take part in if you care about this. And then John continues to say, first, I tried to contact Bob Lazar. He was too busy when the documentary first came out. I am trying again, but zero response as of yet. I will continue to try. I'm much rather an interview. Assuming, however, that won't happen, I want you all to participate below. So the third tweet says, respond to this tweet if you believe the Bob Lazar story. And what is the most compelling, real, true evidence to you that makes you believe him and his story? But if you don't, Respond to this tweet, which is number four. If you don't believe and post the most damning evidence against his story and credibility after a bit, I'll put something together, which I will aim to be a reference video for all complete with sources and references. So that sent Twitter into a frenzy in the UFO world. You know, we are 33 years since Bob Lazar came out. And this argument is still going on faster, bigger, stronger than ever. What's your thoughts, Terry, on Bob Lazar? When Bob first came out, the world was a different place. It just so happens that the first time he was on Channel 8 News in Las Vegas, I lived in Las Vegas. I was a high-rise construction worker, and I was building a casino there. And I've believed him ever since he came out. I was raised in a military family. I know how the military works. Uh, I know how, you know, uh, behind closed doors things work. And the guy just seemed scared for his life to me when he came out. And there's been so many other small things, maybe not so much his education, like Stanton Freeman always said that he couldn't prove his education, but so many small things that's come out that's kind of proved his story, more or less, vindication, more or less. So I've always been a believer about Lazar. I believe Bob Lazar's story on a couple of fronts. Number one, on a journalistic side, George Knapp or KLAS Channel 8 TV in Las Vegas has never retracted the story. Now, I know, I know there are people out there saying, well, you can't trust any media outlet. Well, I disagree with that because in the end, media 
is run by lawyers. There are lo- every media outlet has a team of lawyers that are protecting everything that goes on the air. And those lawyers, you know, when a story like this comes out, this is how it plays out. All right. It's not let uh, George Knapp all of a sudden went, hey, I'm, I'm going to put this guy on the air. That's not how it works. It was a feature story where he would have had to go to his news director and editor of the station and told them what this was about. And then immediately they would have contacted the lawyers of the station to make sure that the station could not get into any hot water. And to this day, KLAS has never, ever retracted that story. That's number one. Number two, and I'll get to you back here in a second, Terry. Number two for me happened a year and a half ago where Bob Lazar literally, you know, if you believe his story, if, believes that his education and his background was wiped clean by the U.S. government for becoming a whistleblower about Area 51. But here's the interesting part for me and how I tie it together. We recently saw, about a year and a half ago, the same damn thing start to happen to Lou Elizondo before he lawyered up with Danny Sheehan and got the the inspector generals involved, where they were starting to erase all of Lou's emails regarding his time at ATIP and other programs. The eraser effect was in play once again. So this made me think that that gave the Lazar story a lot more credence about being truthful about his education being wiped and many other things being wiped. All right. I want to get your thoughts on that, Terry. I'm in total agreement with that. A hundred percent. First thing you got to remember is George Knapp, when he reported the, to begin with about Bob Lazar, wasn't a, a joke journalist. He wasn't the kind of guy that you sent out to the zoo and had cover Shamu, right? He was a hard-hitting, no-joke journalist. He went after the mob. He was a serious, serious guy, and he was the man in Vegas, 100%. And I don't think that he would do anything to jeopardize that. Um, he also had uh, uh, Lear, who was John Lear, who helped corroborate the story. They went out in the desert when Lazar told them to go out in the desert. And of course they just had a high eight camera back then, but they filmed things doing things that we still can't do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with that, Dave. I hundred percent. And the thing is, Lazar's never tried to make, as far as I know, and it's, it, the story goes, he's never tried to make any money off this. And as far as I know, he never has tried to make any money off this. So how did this benefit him for 33 years to be just hounded and basically have tomatoes thrown at him? 
it's never benefited him, but he's never changed his story, and it's always been consistent. But you know that that is the weight of the world. I mean, I mean to switch topics here, but it, it parallels exactly what you just said. You take Roger Patterson and and Bob Gimlin from the famous, uh, excuse me, the famous Sasquatch uh, video out of Bluff Creek in 1967. Okay, I met Bob Patterson. You just mixed both names up there. Did you meet Bob or did you? No, meet I'm, I'm Roger. I'm, I met Bob. I met Bob at a conference. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Got me confused there for a quick second. But but the point that I'm getting at is this: for they were in a no-win situation, no-win situation. Nobody believed them when the video first came out, and after the death threats, the harassment that not only Patterson and Gimlin took, but their families and friends as well. They decided to come out, yeah, no, we didn't see a thing. You're right, guys. We made it all up. Aha, gotcha. Told you you made it up. You finally admitted it. And then they went back to, well, we're damned if we do or we're damned if we don't. They never made a dime off the video. They never did. Terry, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We're going to continue the Bob Lazar talk when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Hey, it's trending on Twitter, so it must be true. Bob Lazar, did he work at Area 51? Did he not? Did he reverse engineer spacecraft at S4? We'll find out more when we come back on Spaced Out Radio. Terry Hall on the UFO Report filling in. For the Tim Bit, Tim Senor. We'll be back right after this. We're clear. Yeah, I think as far as disclosure goes, Dave's, uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, somebody in the public's going to come out with something that just can't be denied. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, I think Avi Loeb had it right when he said, don't wait for the government. Go out and get your own evidence. And with everything that the public had available to it now, I mean, why not? Everything from radar to night vision to all kinds of stuff. One second here. Yeah, I heard we had a death in the community today as well. Uh, that uh, yeah, a gentleman um, from uh, Brazil or Mexico, Brazil, I think. Brazil. He was like Brazil's um, um, Jaime. Yeah, he was um, young. He was a- AJ. He was only fifty-nine. Yeah. Oh. I met another gentleman, I'm having trouble recalling his name right now, who uh, was a journalist out of Mexico, uh, a UAP UFO journalist out of Mexico for a long time. Man, he had some good stories. (laughs) 
Only one I know is uh, Jaime. Oh, I have to look back at my. I, I've got him in my in my Rolodex. Um, matter of fact, I should put him in. I should put you in touch with him. I think you'd enjoy having a conversation with him, because he's a he's a a long time guy, an OG in the field. Matter of fact, I think he even said he worked with Hungy. Maybe. Atlantis is found. Welcome to SOR chat. Have we found you yet? We've got a lot of new people in the chat room, I've been noticing. Oh, yeah. We're getting more and more, dude. There's Mystic's Walk coming on in. You've got the coolest chat family. They come from everywhere. I think last night with Grant... I think we had about 10, 10 different countries. Really? Yeah. SOR around the world, huh? It's pretty cool. Technology's amazing today. Right? It's pretty freaking wild. It's pretty wild. That's you are you know you are a promoter of unity in the community. You've got a couple people that come over here. Uh, got disclosure tonight, Thomas Fessler, and then uh, you got the social dig. Rob G and his his crews in the chat tonight. Everybody comes to see Dave. Of course, we all go to see them too. So, well, don't forget. Where is it here? I am Pam. <laughs> well, I am UFO disclosure. <laughs> I am Pam. I even have a, a, a picture of my property, other property right here, UFO and everything included. Nice. Nice. We got about one minute here. Ten bits got me that. Well, that's nice. Uh, Kanga, thank you yeah. for the congrats. We are actually up to, right now, 20,142. 20,142. My goodness. we You know, if we keep at this pace, we'll hit like 21,000 before the end of the year. Hi, Devin. How you doing, buddy? Uh, well, that'd be a nice Christmas present. Big thank you to Pascal, the Timbit, little Tommy Fessler, and the scowling Greg O'Brien <laughs> For the amazing super chats tonight, very much appreciate earning your uh, trust and faith on the air, and thank you for supporting us, and thank you to all our new subscribers who are checking us on out. We're here seven days a week for your listing entertainment. Here we go. We're heading for home tonight on Spacedown Radio. 
Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on talking Bob Lazar tonight, filling in for the vacationing. Tim Senor, we have Terry Hall hanging on out for the UFO report. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. And right before the break, I was mentioning to you, you know, about Bob Lazar's records being scrubbed and how it seemed to start happening to Lou Elizondo with his emails. I, I find that more people haven't really taken off on that. Even though that happened a couple of years ago, I'm surprised many people haven't put the two together. Well, Whitley Strieber just came out not too long ago and said that the government has some sort of hypnospray or something that can erase memories. I mean, who knows, but you putting the... The Lou Elizondo scrub and the... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What an easy way to start saving and investing. All you need is Acorns and your spare change. Acorns will invest in an expert-built, diversified portfolio for you. On average, Acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. Plans start at just $3 a month with no hidden fees ever. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com audio. That's acorns.com audio. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Investment advisory services offered by Acorns Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Bob Lazar scrubbed together. That's that's a new way of thinking. And it, it's, I mean, how many times has this happened? Well, how many times did it take somebody to put them in witness protection and they disappear and then they, they're a brand new person? Right. We'll never know. We will never so. know. But as far as Bob Lazar goes, like I said, I've always believed him. But it was a different time back then. And the, the guy, when he when I first saw him the first time on the news, not, not when he was in the van and he was in the blackout, but when he was acting, you could tell the guy was scared to death. And you know, he was just trying to protect himself back then. Uh like I said, as far as that goes, if it was a story, it would have been a lot easier on him back then just to say, uh, I lied and just have been forgotten. But he said, I don't know how many times that he wished he would have just shut up so he kept, could have kept working. Well, I mean, we just don't know, okay? Like when Tim and I earlier this year ran into our, our – uh, 
I don't want to call him a friend, but when we ran it, had that meeting in Las Vegas with the person who worked a dozen years at Area 51, he said one of the biggest laughing stocks in Area 51 when he went in there, and he did ask other people, people who had been working there 25, 30 years, about Bob Lazar and whether or not that that he actually worked there. And apparently, Lazar's name is a running joke at Area 51. Okay? But I also do believe that we have to... Um, we have to understand that that when it comes to Lazar, he only worked there for a few weeks. He wasn't there years. He wasn't there months. We're talking maybe four to six weeks, maybe nine weeks at most that he was there working on these craft. So the idea that hundreds of people would get to know him is slim to none. There might be a few which George Knapp believes that he actually interviewed people who did work with Lazar, but they were threatened that if they went public, that they would, you know, lose their jobs, lose their pension, and plus more. Okay? So, but there are, you know, I do understand the arguments on the other side. If he did work there on Alien Craft and he did sign an NDA, why didn't they arrest him? Could they not have arrested yeah. him because of the topic of discussion? They didn't want to get out in public? Probably why. If you believe the fact that they were trying to murder him, well, that's a different story altogether. And it's amazing how those death threats and everything stopped after he went into business with Robert Bigelow, who happened to be... Senator Harry Reid's best friend and campaign contributor. And all... no big contractor. Yes. And so, I mean, there are a lot of uh, pieces that do of the puzzle that do add together. But, like, getting back to what I was saying, at Area 51, allegedly, Lazar's name is a joke because nobody, nobody there would, would break their NDA, over what they're getting to play with. And there are still people working at Area 51 today that would have been there during Lazar's tenure, albeit short tenure. Well, if you worked at Area 51, would you want Bob Lazar to be a joke or would you want it to be the God's honest truth and then have to worry about your own security and safety afterwards? I'd turn it into a running joke. I wouldn't want my employees to think that if they open their mouth that uh, the worst of the worst could happen to them. Well, I mean, that's also a very strong point. That's a very strong point. Why not downplay it? Why not downplay yeah. it to the point where we don't need to to uh, have those type of people hanging out with us? Right. Well, you already had the 70-year story in place, the tinfoil hat, everybody's crazy, some farmer out in the middle of the field saw swamp gas, right? Uh, so Bob Lazar coming out and telling him his woo story, 
it wouldn't have been hard for them to side rail it, derail it, just like they've done, and then don't play it. Well, I mean, and that's and once again, that's a great point because at Area Fifty One, mo- see, we all think that all these people who go there, they're all working together. Okay, it's not that way whatsoever. Boeing has the Boeing has their section. Lockheed Martin and Skunk Works have their section. Raytheon has their section, and any other manufacturing or defense contractor has their own section. And it is true because we asked the question. It is true that when let's say Boeing wants to test an aircraft or test their technology the employees for every other company have to go into the shadows into the building and cannot be out there during testing times. That's one of the respects that they do because there is competition for billions of dollars of defense dollars. Now those employees, (coughs) the only contact they would have likely had with any sort of Bob Lazar incident, I'm assuming would have only been on the Janet jets flying in and out. Because if we are to believe Lazar, after he landed, he jumped on a bus, drove the 15 miles or so out to S4, where these craft were allegedly stored. Well, I can't imagine anybody on the Janet flight sitting there having pleasant conversation about what employee A is doing with employee B. The military is so compartmentalized that the right hand doesn't know that it has a left hand, much less that the, it's supposed to wash the left hand. Uh, that's why a lot of things get turned over to civilian contractors because the military takes it as far as it can with as compartmental as it is and then they hand it off to somebody else who has better or more ideas um but once again going back to lazar and the story of the area 51 i wouldn't want my employees to feel like they had a gun to their head and so i would have downplayed it just like just like it's been done well the other issue that i have i do have troubles in believing Bob Lazar is where he allegedly smuggled element 115 out of area 51. This is one of the long base rumors that is out there is whether or not he, he did that or not. Okay. And look, these are people who had to go through scanners each and every day, each and every day. And for them to go through through scanners, you know, before you leave your facility to go back to the dorms or you leave your facility to uh, to head back home because you would fly in for seven days or 14 days or 21 days and then get a number of days off. It, it does make me wonder how he was able to do that, even if he did it the old prison route.
the thing about element 115 is on the periodic table, I, I can say element 123 because they're working towards that every day, new elements all the time. So, but how in the quantity that he said and George Knapp said he saw, I don't understand how he could have done it. Um, but I will say this, that the hand scanners that they used were used during uh, the um, the stealth fighter program. And everybody that used them said that they were junk, that uh, that was the one piece of tech that just didn't want to work correctly. Uh, so maybe on some of those days... Uh, Instead of having to go through a scanner and the security, when the scanner was broke, he just kind of skated on through and he had it in his lunchbox. I don't know. But George Knapp did say he saw it. And he also said he saw the experiments that Lazar did with it. Um, he's got the one short piece of film that really just shows the swirl of, of uh, I don't know if it's smoke from dry ice or what it is, but Apparently, it's one of the actions that they were doing for this experiment. Um, what I'd like to see is somebody digitize everything George Knapp has so they could find the one tape that he said he had that has 115 on it. That's Maybe exactly that would be the, the smoking gun. That's exactly it. I mean, that's where it gets very, very difficult to to truly understand you know what where did it come from how did he get it out you know and and those are legitimate questions that i think bob lazar you know needs to answer but he has kind of deflect been able to deflect that one over the years well what kind of trouble would lazar get into if he actually had this element 115 and made it public and showed it what would happen well that would also mean too that moscovium which is element 115 allegedly is so delicate that they can only get it to react for a couple of seconds that would mean a couple that the, nanoseconds really yeah and that would mean though that it would be very difficult difficult for it to actually be out of its own element, no pun intended, you know, be out of its environment. So for Lazar to hide it and it to go through an absolute beating going on an aircraft, uh, going at altitude, because who knows how that would react at altitude, and then landing and then driving it home, stopping and starting, because there is no fast way out of, out of uh, the airport in Las Vegas, as much as they try to make it there, because once you, uh, especially where the Janet jets fly into, because oh, coming out of McCarran Air Airport is a nightmare. Well, exactly, but coming out of where the Janet jets are is even more of a nightmare because you step right onto Las Vegas Boulevard. Yep. So past the highest two. Three high security fences with Constantino wire on top and the two guard posts. But once again, element 115 could be just what they were calling element 115 on our planet. 
may not be the same thing that they were calling this stable stuff that came from another planet, as far as we know. They could have just called it Element 150. Could be. It's more logic right there. Way more logic right there. But, you know, it still comes the question of whether or not, whether or not, uh, you know, he would be able to actually get it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking because I've seen where the Janet flags come in on. As a matter of fact, I've sat across the road and watched them. Um, I know how they go in and out of that place. And I just can't, I can't see you throwing it over a fence and picking it up later or going back after the guards go home because the guards never go home. So, like I said, um, it goes back to the prison wallet, I guess. Right, boss? Well, but wouldn't that... <laughs> but, but I understand. Okay, you know, let, let's have some fun with this. Let's have some fun with this. With does four, Bob... With four minutes to go. Does Bob's butthole glow in the dark? <laughs> well, you know... If by chance he did store that rectally to get out, even in a in a glass container, if he has to go through an X-ray machine, which we believe that they did at the time, or any other sort of body scanner, it would be noted. Actually, he. The, the scanners that they were used were bone density scanners, and they uh, you sh basically what it did was it shined a really bright light through your through your skin to show the bone. It wasn't an X-ray machine because uh, your bones are individual, just like your fingerprints are. So it wasn't an X-ray machine like we have at the airport now, right? It's where you stand there and you do this, and it shows everything but your chonies. Um, so it was a bone density scanner. It wasn't an x-ray machine. And who knows if it would have set off a metal detector. Who knows if it's metal or not. That I don't know. None of us know. But but I do know, okay. And, and If it's and, supposed to be, is it supposed to be radioactive? So if it is, that kind of shuts that whole idea off. Because Bob Lazar, as far as I know, has never contracted any kind of cancer or had any kind of radiation sickness that I know of. He's always had a full head of hair that I know of. Well, I mean, the other part to that, too, though, is this. And I know it's a, it's a far-off contrast, but I've known people who've worked in diamond mines up here in Canada. And you go up north to one of these diamond mines in northern British Columbia or into the Yukon or Northwest Territories, it is like Fort Knox there. The mine is surrounded. Mm -hmm. They have armed security guards all over the place. When you go in to the mine, they scan you going in, and they do a full-body scan on you coming up because people would, you know, if you find a diamond, you'd swallow. they'd swallow it. Or insert it. And that way, people weren't getting away with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of diamonds. Now, I could only assume 
that that would be the almost the equivalent of what would be working down on Area 51. Now, or it would probably be a hell of a lot more advanced at Area 51, even in 1989, rather than the 2007s to 8s when I heard that diamond story. Well, I also I have a friend who works who used to work in the gold mines in Wyoming. Same basic principle as the diamond mine. They scanned them going in, going out. However, he was a maintenance worker. And they had these pucks of gold about that big, maybe about that thick. Um, and he, at one point in time, he slipped it in a glove, put it on its maintenance cart, and wheeled it out. So there are exceptions to the rule. And he could have had a compatriot, too, as well. Could have had somebody else that was working with him that helped him do something like that to save his keister. We don't know. I don't think we ever will. I know the guy's taken lie detector tests. He's passed his lie detector tests. Um, people tend to believe Travis Walton and, and his friends after they've passed the lie detector test. Why is Bob Lazar so different? Could be. Could be. But it is a story that is going to go way, way on. There is no end to the Lazar story. There is <laughs> no end to anything about this. And that's just what makes it very, very interesting about where we're going <laughs> in ufology. Terry Hall, I want to say a big thank you for filling in for our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor, on the UFO report tonight. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me in and great conversation. See you later, Tatham and Greg. If you're still in the audience, I'm sitting in our summer residence that we spent in the Uinta Basin. Thanks, buddy. Good night, all. Pre appreciate that, Terry. You can stick around uh, for the. Uh, I guess not. He's not going to stick around for the after hours show. And uh, you know. One thing that I want to say is a big thank you for Terry stepping on in tonight. A big thank you to Colin Ekstrand for coming on in for the big show tonight. Took him a while to get warmed up, but once he did, man, there was a lot of good woo tonight. And, of course, the Swamp Dweller for another spooky story. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Spreaker, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. the woo train has docked for the night but soon my friends we shall ride again 
Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Have a great night. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Moms are amazing at tracking down hard-to-find items. Library books, socks, you name it. But sometimes help is welcomed. Care.com makes it easy to find babysitters near you. Sitters with the experience and skills your family needs, like after-school pickup and homework help. You just post a job for qualified sitters to apply. And since all Care.com caregivers are background checked, you can feel confident about interviewing and hiring. To get the child care help you need, sign up now at Care.com.